Good evening. And yes, of course, you don't know what you don't know. And I would like to say you're about to know because of what I say. But the whole point is you don't know what you don't know. And this lesson is to encourage you, as I encourage myself, to pursue a deeper relationship with God. A lot of relationships in life, they're not, it's not bad, but they're, they're broad, but they're pretty shallow. And if there's anyone with whom we need to have a deep relationship, it is God. But have you noticed, we don't know as much as we would like to know. In the 19th chapter of Acts, this is a good place to start, I believe. Hopefully familiar to you. If it's not, we'll be, at least that's my plan, that you'll be familiar with it by the time we're done. This is Paul in the city of Ephesus. And we have more information about the church in Ephesus than probably any other congregation of the church in the first century. And this is what Luke records in Acts 19.1. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And there it is. They said to him, what? No, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. They didn't even know. They didn't know. He said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. And when they heard this, what did they do? They were baptized in the name of Jesus. Why? Because now they knew what they did not know. They weren't even looking for it. They didn't know to look for it. But when they heard it, they were in. They were all in because they had already committed to the baptism of John. And why wouldn't they commit to the baptism of Christ when John was telling everyone, get ready. Jesus is the Messiah. He existed before I existed. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I'm not even worthy, John said, to untie the the lace on his sandals, so to speak. So they didn't know what they didn't know, but when they found out, they embraced it wholeheartedly. And that's how the church at Ephesus was established. Strong congregation of the Lord's people started with these 12 guys. When's the last time you had a conversation with somebody? When you start a conversation, do you know what the outcome is going to be? Now, you might have something in mind how you want the outcome to be. You might, you might say, I need to go talk to somebody so we can do this or do that and figure this out. And you might have an idea. what, But you never really know, do you? Because things come up in conversations. That's why we have conversations, at least one of the reasons, to find things out. And we have conversations, even though I don't know that we're always aware of this, we have conversations and they help us to learn more about one another and draw closer to one another. And that's what we have with God with regard to the word. He's talking to us. And when we listen to what he says, we learn about him. And this is one of the ways, probably the most definite, deliberate way we can learn about God is to see what he says to us. The Bible is the mind of God revealed over 1,500 years. And by about 40 different guys who wrote out 
everything that God wanted to be written out, and it's been preserved for you and me down to this day, and we read this record, and the writer of Hebrews says the word of God, talking about all of it, is two things. What is it? It's living and it's active. So we're reading a history book, but we're not just reading a history book. We're reading history that somebody who is alive and active and in the book is giving to us. And you think about those guys in Ephesus. Didn't know anything about the spirit of God. And Paul says, did you not know about the spirit of God? And when he baptized into Christ, what Peter had said from Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 is that you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So how in this world can we ever appreciate what the Spirit will mean to us? However, if you could, if, if we had a way to bring those 12 guys back tonight, what do you think they would tell us about the value of the Holy Spirit in their lives? It, it's inestimable, but they, they didn't know anything about it at first. And this book is inspired by that same spirit. So we read the book and we learn about God. He's speaking to us. And then we pray. And I know Bible study and prayer just seems so, oh, we've heard this before. But I want to keep encouraging and to pray. There's never a time when we should stop encouraging ourselves and one another to pray. Because in prayer, we we do a lot of self-reflection. I don't know how much you've noticed that. But when you're talking to God... What's something you know about God that changes what you say? To me, it's, it's the fact that he already knows everything. I mean, if we're talking to one another, we might just engage in some small talk because they don't really know that much about us. There's a, there's a lot they don't know, and you don't know that much about them, so you're just having small talk. But when you're talking to God, you know he knows everything, so why not go deep? Have you ever found yourself in prayer and you're thinking, I'm... I'm not going to, you're thinking about something to say, and I'm not going to say that because that's dumb. I'm talking to God, and he knows. If you're talking to some person, you might go ahead and say that because you're just having a conversation between people, but with God, you know. And it's marvelous the way it works. It kind of limits a lot of things that you would say that really don't have any meaning, and you move past the things that don't have meaning to the things that do when you finally figure out what you do want to say to God. And it's a struggle. And I'm not trying to give the impression that when you finally get down to the point where you you have things that you want to say to God, I'm not saying that at that point those are the perfect things to say. I'm just saying you got to think it through. You remember when you were a kid and you got caught having done something that you shouldn't have done and you were commanded to give an explanation for yourself? And every word came out flawlessly. Especially the things that you had rehearsed to say. Now, it looks like none of you have ever done that. If that's the message you're giving me with your faces, you're a bunch of liars. Because I I know you've done that. You've been caught. How am I going to have to explain this? And we do it sometimes in our marriages. We, oh, what's my wife going to say? What's my husband going to say? This this is what I'm going to say to them. This is how I'm going to argue for my wife. And we do that. We think that through. But you don't have to do that with God because, you know, he already knows what the truth is. And in knowing that, you have an appreciation for him that that grows the more you talk to him because it's... David made a statement 
And I struggled for years to try to figure out what this statement meant. But he simply said, the fear of the Lord is clean. And I think that might be part of what it means. When you start talking to God and coming to God, it's like the fire. It's not fire that hurts. It's fire that purifies. It cleanses away the dross or like in, in metallurgy. Did I say that right? When you take gold and you refine it, all you do is you heat it to the point where the, the elements separate out, and, and that's what happens when you're talking to God. And that's what happens when you're reading the Word. The Word reveals to us things that are true, and by knowing the things that are true, we can set aside the things that are not true, that are not part of that Word. Jesus told the apostles, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to show you things to come. He's going to help you remember everything I've taught you over these last three years. Now, he didn't say three years, but everything he taught is what he said. And he's going to lead you into all truth. And so what those guys were led into was all truth. And that's what we have in the Bible itself is all truth. Now, here's a question. If all of the knowledge... All the information that was in the physical universe could be quantified. And that quantity, let's say, is 10. How would you rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 as far as what you know of that quantity of information? How much of that information do you know? Everything that's in the known universe, the physical universe we're talking about, how much of that information do you have? And just asking the question, I feel stupid. Because, man, there's a lot to know that I don't know. Pick a subject, any subject. Even things that I think I know some things about, I really don't know that much about when I talk to people who know more than I do on those things. And there's a lot of people that know more than I know. There's just a lot of stuff I don't know, and that's only in the physical realm. What do you know in the spiritual realm? We're limited, aren't we? And that's okay. As a matter of fact, it's probably a really good thing that we're limited. I would imagine there's a lot that would not do us good to know. But what we can know is what God reveals to us in the creation and in the word. What we can know is what we learn about ourselves when we come to God in prayer. We have this saying, we don't know what we don't know. But the longer I live, the more I discover things. And that's a good word to use, I think. Discover things that I did not know that I can now know, that I can now understand, that I can now see, that now make sense to me. My mom used to say, I think I've told you this before, she said, you'll never know how much I love you until you have children of your own. Now, intellectually... Even as a young man, I knew that was true. Yeah, that's true on an intellectual level. But on a level of reality, I had no clue. And just like a conversation, you don't know where a conversation is going to go. You don't know what you might learn in a conversation. How many of you knew exactly what you were getting into when you got married? Right. You, You had an idea. But you didn't really know. And then you got married. And your, your lives began to blend with one another. And then, what my mom was talking about happened. You have kids. Wow. 
never had a clue what I didn't know. <laughs> and then I start to learn some things. And then I start to find out about life. And then I start to realize that, that all of this is like a microcosm of God's relationship with us. Marriage and family and children and loving and trying to guide amongst the chaos. And all the time you're trying to guide your family, you haven't even completely figured out how to guide yourself. Now, I'm really close. You believe that? I'm really close. The only thing I know about guiding myself is to do one thing, and that one thing is to follow Jesus. That's the only thing I know about guiding myself. Get behind the shepherd. Follow him. Wherever he goes, that's where I need to go. And there are millions of people literally in the world right now, and millions of people, perhaps well, billions, I suppose, who have already passed, who not knowing God had no clue what they didn't know. Like those guys in Ephesus. We haven't even heard whether there was a Holy Spirit. And here we sit tonight. We are aware of the Holy Spirit, are we not? To a degree. We are aware that the scriptures teach us that coming into Christ, the Spirit lives in us. We are aware that the blood of Christ cleanses us. We know these things, and we want the rest of the world to know these things. We want our friends and loved ones to know these things and embrace these things. I made a short list because I thought it was interesting. Some of the things, the discoveries that have been made that in a lot of ways have really changed the world, but they were discoveries made by accident. In the ninth century, Chinese alchemists, you know what alchemists are? They're guys who, who mix with chemicals and elements and they try to make gold or whatever. And these guys, these Chinese guys back in the ninth century were trying to make a, an elixir of youth. And so they put together, I don't know why, but they put together sulfur, charcoal, and a thing called saltpeter. Anybody know what that makes? Makes gunpowder. Yeah, Charles is back there going, <laughs> yeah, that's a good description of gunpowder. So consider the irony. These guys are trying to find something that'll they'll help you stay young and prolong life, and they find something instead that's been used to kill more people. Well, you know what gunpowder's done through the ages and what it's been used for. But they were trying to discover something, and they did discover something. Sir Alexander Fleming, anybody heard of Alexander Fleming? You, you might recall his name from history when I tell you what happened with him or what, what went on with him. He had, uh, this was back in 1928, I think it was. He, he was researching in bacteria, and he, he left some bacteria in some cultures. He was experimenting with those, trying to figure out what to do about different sicknesses. And then he goes on vacation. And he comes back from vacation, and he looks, and one of those cultures had not been properly sealed. And so some mold had developed inside that culture because it had not been properly sealed. But he realized that's the only one where the bacteria didn't grow. And that's how penicillin came into being, completely by accident. He wasn't trying to find penicillin. He was trying to do something else, but boom, there's penicillin. What do you do? Well, you don't know what you don't know, and then you find it. There it is. Those guys in Ephesus, they had no clue about the Holy Spirit. And if, there it is. The whole, Holy Spirit's been preached to them by Paul, and he, he preaches them about the, the baptism of Christ. And they're baptized in Christ. They, they've now got the Holy Spirit. They didn't know what they didn't know. 
But then they found out. And what would they tell us today about what a, what a discovery that was? 1907, Belgian chemist Leo Bicklin was trying to invent a replacement for shellac. You know what shellac is? It's like varnish. But I didn't realize this until I got to reading this particular fact. Shellac is exuded by bugs over in Thailand. And I don't know how they collect it. I don't want to know how they collect it. But it's exuded by bugs. And they collect it up and it's used... As a, as a coating, you, you could dry it out and then you mix it with alcohol and you can brush it on. A lot of woodworkers know what shellac is. And if you have an interest in sports, you probably know what shellac is because you've heard about one team giving another team a good shellacking. Anyway. But he was trying to find a replacement for shellac because it was really expensive. And so he mixed a couple of different chemicals together and he came out with this thing and he didn't know what to call it, so he called it plastic. And now plastic's in everything. You can't get away from it. Not that we necessarily want to, but it was an accident. Percy Spencer, he was a researcher for Raytheon, big company. They got an office and operation going out at Tinker. He was working with energy sources for radar, and he noticed that he had a chocolate bar in his pocket, and it melted when he got around those energy sources. And that's how the microwave oven was born. Now, he didn't go to work that day saying, I think I'm going to invent a microwave. But he found something that you and I probably use on a daily basis now. Now, the thing about all these situations and so many others that you can read about where things were discovered by accident... People were trying to do something, and in the process of trying to do something, they found something, but it wasn't what they were looking for. It wasn't what they were planning on. But it's turned out for the betterment of of mankind in so many ways. Now, that's a physical reality in life, but the spiritual reality is this. You start looking for God. You start pursuing God. What did Jesus say? Seek first the kingdom. What kingdom? The kingdom of God. What is the king? Where do you go to find the kingdom of God? It's not a place. It's not a location. You can't go down to the to the airport. I need a plane ticket for the kingdom of God. They'd probably send you to Oklahoma or West Virginia, one or the other. Just a little sideline joke there. But you know what I'm saying. Jesus said kingdom of God is not here nor there. The kingdom of God is where? It's within you. Something different about the kingdom of God, and that's what he told us to seek. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When Solomon, if you go back to Ecclesiastes, he he said this in the first chapter. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 12. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I set my mind to seek and explore by wisdom concerning all that's been done under heaven. It's a grievous task which God's given to the sons of men to be afflicted with, and I've seen all the works which have been done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after wind. What's crooked can't be straightened, and what's lacking can't be counted. I said to myself, Behold, I've magnified and increased in wisdom more than all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my mind has observed a wealth of wisdom and knowledge, and I set my mind to know wisdom and to know madness and folly, and I realize that this also is striving after wind. 
Because in much wisdom, there's much grief. And increasing knowledge results in increasing pain. Boy, that's a downer. I think I would have saved that for the last chapter. But what did he say for the last chapter? What he saved for the last chapter, and, and what he's saying is this. <clears throat> I'm Solomon. I'm the wisest man that ever lived. Not just the wisest king, but the wisest man. God endued him with wisdom beyond every other man except Jesus. And he said, with that wisdom, I pursued knowledge and understanding. And I'm telling you what I discovered was it's, it's all empty. Everything you can discover under the sun in this world is empty. I want to be better at the things I do. I want to be able to shoot my bow a little better. I want to be able to cast my bait a little bit farther and a little more accurately. I want to be able to sneak up on animals and I want to I want to do lots of things. I want to be better at video games. That's really important, isn't it? Well, what if we what if we wanted to be a better gardener? I mean, isn't a garden great? I love me some yellow squash. Yeah, it's, and, and I'm not hinting either. That, I didn't mean that as a, hey, bring me your yellow squash. I'm just saying that it's a good pursuit. So many things in this world are wonderful pursuits, but they really, they don't lead to much. You never see that engraved on anybody's tombstone. This guy grew some really great yellow squash. He was really good at shooting his bow. He could hit a golf ball a mile You never read anything like that on tombstones. What do you read? Loving father, loving husband, devoted mother. Those are the kinds of things you see on headstones because that's what really matters. And when you pursue God, you begin to discover things that really mattered that you didn't know really mattered. Because you don't know what you don't know. And then you start following God and he shows you some stuff. What do you think happened with those 12 apostles? Even Judas, they start out, okay, we'll see what's going to happen here, and then they find out what's going to happen. And what do you think each one of us, including Judas, would tell us today? How profound would their messages be about the identity of the Son of God and what it was like for them to, to be with him and to follow him, and even for Judas... How bad to betray him, to be that one. And their messages would be profound because none of them knew what they would find out. And then they found out. It's like the rich man in Luke 16. I mean, you just just start thinking about this and there's all kinds of uh, situations that come up. In Luke 16, the rich man dies and he lifts up his eyes in torment. What does he want Abraham to do with Lazarus? Two things. First, send him over here. Have him dip his finger in water and touch my tongue to give me some comfort because I'm in torment in this flame. And Abraham says, oh, that won't work. We can't send him over because there's a great gulf between us and nobody can pass across. And then what does he say? Second thing, well, send Lazarus back because i got five brothers. I don't want them to come here. What does Abraham tell him then? He says, well, they got Moses and the prophets. If they won't hear Moses and the prophets... And it's as if he would say, vanity of vanity, everything in the world is vanity except knowing about God, knowing to prepare for the afterlife. How do you do that? Well, you spend time with God. You get to know about God. 
You get some insight into God by studying his word and by talking to him. And in talking to him, you get a lot of insight into yourself. And it's not always pleasant, but it's always necessary. One last text, and then we'll finish. Do I say that a lot? Don't tell me. I don't want to know. But one last text. It's Isaiah 55. This one, I often quote this one part of it in Isaiah 55. God's thoughts are above our thoughts and his ways above our ways. But when you look at it in context, it's really cool. Like every other passage is really cool. But remember, this is Isaiah talking to a rebellious nation, a rebellious people, and he's giving these people God's message of of hope and mercy and forgiveness and, and about the coming Messiah. This is God trying to encourage his people who are rebelling against him. And he says this in chapter 55, verse 1. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Whoa, what's that? You don't have any money, but come and buy this. Because what you would purchase it with is not money. It's not currency, but you can buy it. It's available to you. You can buy it. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Do you hear the, the resounding voice of, of Solomon? Vanity of vanity, all is vanity. By the way, we never got to the final chapter of Ecclesiastes, did we? I mentioned it. What, what, does, what does Solomon conclude? Hear the conclusion of this. Fear God and keep his commandments. That is the whole of man. Wow, think about that. That's it? That's it, Solomon? Yeah, that's it. But that's profound. Fear God, keep his commandments. That'll show you some things when you do that that you don't know you didn't know. Isaiah continues, Incline your ear, come to me. Listen that you may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercy shown to David. Behold, I have made him a witness to the people's a leader and a commander for the peoples. Behold, you will call a nation whom you do not know and a nation that knows you not, nor will run to you because of the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. What's the implication? There's coming a time when he won't be found. Seek him now while he may be found. Today is the day of salvation. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, or nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As far as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth and making a bare sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, So will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. You'll go out with joy. Be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands instead of the thorn bush. And the cypress will come up. And instead of the nettle, the myrtle will come up, and it will be a memorial to the Lord for an everlasting sign which will not be cut off. What will be a memorial to the Lord? When they give up their own thoughts, when they give up their own ways, and they follow the Lord's thoughts and the Lord's ways which are higher, 
then the blessings will come. And the, the blessings that come on Israel, Isaiah says, will be a memorial to God. Why is that? Because people will look and they will say, look at what God did for Israel. This isn't about any nation of people. It's not about you and me being righteous or unrighteous. This is about us following God faithfully so that people in the end will see our faithfulness as a memorial to God and it will be a blessing. What did Jesus say? Let your light so shine before men that they may do what? See your good works and glorify God who is in heaven. It's always been about God's glory. So keep pursuing God. We don't know the end of it, do we? But it's always going to be better than what we thought it would. There's the lesson for tonight. I don't know where you are in your, your walk with the Lord, as we put it sometimes. But I want you to know that he's waiting for you. And you don't know what you don't know about him. You don't know the joy of salvation if you uh, have never put your faith in Christ. But we want to offer you that opportunity tonight. Here comes Johnny. He's going to lead us in an invitation song. We're inviting you to respond if you need to tonight. If we can help you, come forward and let us know how we can do that. Let's stand and sing.